Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. So I want to share the key first for today is from Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily tangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame as sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The title of my message is Countercultural Cycle Breakers. So as Christians, if we are to draw closer to God, we have to become increasingly countercultural and break the cycles of our own life. And the great book of Hebrews is Paul the Apostle sharing the Jewish people the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that we need to take hold of his message and grow closer to Jesus Christ. Now, why countercultural? Everything in this world becomes increasingly more against God's way. Increasingly, more and more and more against the way of God. For example, God instituted the family dynamic to be such a pivotal part of community. And now we see so much more broken homes, men not fathering their children. Um, the, the dynamic of family is not as appreciated and valued as much as it needs to be. You know, we've got people, children going to daycares more and more because families need to work in order to pay for their children's school bills and everything else to raise a family. Therefore, less time is being spent creating that family dynamic. And that's just one example of everything else that God has created. It's part of a design. So everything is against God's way in this world because the world is ruled by human and human are fleshly beings that have their own desires. And along with that, we have an enemy that is outright straight gunning for God's people. Like he's making no secret about it. Straight gunning for him because he can't get to God, so he's got to go for God's people. So we're already... Also stacked against us as a result. But why is everything opposite God's way? Well, it all started with Adam and Eve. So when God created Adam and Eve, they lived in the fullness of God's presence. They lived in the ways of God, embraced the love of God. But as I mentioned, there's an enemy straight gunning for them. He went up to Eve and said, did God tell you not to do this? Now, when God said, you can do whatever you want in my presence, you can do everything that you want, just don't touch the tree of good and evil. Now, that didn't make sense to me. It's just a fruit. It's just some knowledge. I I wrestled with that understanding. How did this create such a domino effect to where we are today? Well, it doesn't make sense to us because we're living in this reality. Whereas back then, they only lived in God's way. They only lived in the goodness of God. That was the better way that they lived in. They didn't have the need or understanding to live any other way. But as a result of eating that fruit and they had the knowledge of good and evil, they began to become exposed to other ways. And when God said, if you eat it, you will surely die. It wasn't a condemnation, but it was a warning. 
A father's love saying to them, I'm warning you, if you have a knowledge of, a better, of other ways outside of my ways, you will lead to your death. Because it's away from me, it's separate from me. So when they became exposed to, to the ways of other ways outside of God, they began to live for themselves. They began to do all these other things that wasn't part of God's design. And now we live today with the same knowledge of good and evil as a result. So we live in every other way except for God's way. You understand that? So it makes a lot more sense when you understand that reality. But we have to understand that God's way is a better way. So we need to go back to his original plan, back to his way, so that we can understand who we're living for and who we are in him. So that is why we have a war with our flesh and our spirit to be countercultural for God. When every other opportunity is not God's way, except for one. But the great thing is we have Jesus Christ who came, lived as an example of showing God's way, as a result, showing his love, his presence, what it means to live for God. So through that, we can follow his example. Even better, he died to take our place so that we can actually do the same for God. So it started with Adam and it went down to Jesus Christ. And the second thing is cycle breakers. The reason why I mention cycle breakers is as a result of living in this world, having knowledge of this good and evil, living in this way, we are now stuck in cycles of strongholds, addictions, all these kind of things that take us away from God. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. So in summary, being a Christian is hard work. Being a Christian is hard work. You're living in this world that is increasingly against God's way. We're living in a world where we're trying to be Christians and you've got an enemy gunning for you. We have the victory, we have all these things, but it's like being a championship team. We still have to play the game when everyone is trying to knock us off the throne. So we have to understand the challenge before us. It's, it's challenging. I've been a Christian. I've barely done ministry. Sometimes I'm like, God, why did you call me for this? It's so hard. Like I haven't done anything significant, but it's already challenging. But the reason why I say challenging is enemies trying to stop me before I even make any difference. Try to take me out of the game before I can actually make a change. So I have to understand that there is a challenge and walk with my eyes wide open to those challenges so I can live for God as a result. If we're blinded by that understanding that we're just going to do whatever we want in this culture, in this world, live for ourselves and not understand what we're wrestling with and just do whatever we want. Therefore, stuck in cycles. So what do we do now? We have a world that is ruled by our flesh. We have a saviour who saved us and an opposition that is gunning for us. Well, we'll go back to my first, first point. We have to be devoted to God. If you are not devoted by choice to God, you are devoted to yourself by default. The decision is made for you unless you make the decision for yourself. And we cannot be distracted. If we're not devoted, we are distracted by whatever captures our attention. And we live in an increasingly distracting, distracting world. So it needs to be a choice to follow God or by default follow something else. And Paul the Apostle paints this beautiful picture of drawing near to God in Hebrews 10, verse 22 to 24. Ooh, I lost the verse. Hebrews 10, verse 22 to 24. Where are you? There we go. Let us draw near to God with to see heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience 
and having our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So let us draw near to God. If we are not devoted to God, we are devoted to something else. We are devoted to ourselves at what we want, and we are ruled by our desires and the choices that we make. There's no choice in the matter. You follow God or yourself. We can't break away from this. Paul the Apostle, who wrote this book, shares of his own testimony when he is um, he's actually um, against Christianity, um, living for Judaism. He's leading in every aspect in this. And he, and he shares with the Galatian church, For you have heard of my previous way in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, and my people were extremely zealous, devoted for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach among him the Gentiles. So Paul was devoted to his calling. He was devoted to leading the way. It was like he was flexing, like I was killing it. I was doing everything that I needed to do. I was devoted but then when God called him out, he became devoted to Jesus Christ. Now we have to understand that God did not change Paul the Apostle. He did not change the way he was wired. Paul the Apostle was devoted to what he was doing. All he did was change his focus. And as a result, he began to live for Jesus Christ in the same manner that he lived in his previous way. In the same way, God is not trying to completely change you and who you are and, and how you live, but he's just trying to change your focus and devotion so that you can live for him in the same way he's created you to be. So when I was 12 years old, I was basically questioning whether God was real or not. That's why kids' ministry is so important and youth ministry is so important. So I was basically at a point where I was like, okay, I've heard all these stories of testimonies of people being healed, people you know, having encounters with Jesus Christ. One of two things is either true. They're either lying or I haven't experienced it myself. So I came to that simple question and I began to ask myself, God, if you're real, show me. Dangerous prayer. If you're real, show me. And as a result, God began to reveal himself to me in so many ways and began to show who he was and then I devoted my life to him. If that didn't happen, I would have surely chosen myself. So I encourage you with that in mind, God is ready for you whenever you ask that question. God, where are you? God, are you real? God, are you in this situation? God, show me. He's so willing to reveal himself to you when you have an open heart and open posture for him. Now, this could literally be the end of my sermon right now. Devote your lives to Jesus Christ because his way is a better way. And there's so many things that the world offers us, so many things that we could chase, so many opportunities. But if we don't go to the fundamentals of devoting ourselves to God, the choice is made for us. So it's a simple choice that we have to make. It's time to remove all the distractions and make the choice to follow Him and be devoted to Him, to devote your lives to Him. I saw something yesterday. We want a full-time God with a part-time responsibility with a part-time devotion. thought, whew, that hit hard. We demand God to be full-time God, answering all our prayers, trying to satisfy all our needs, but we offer part-time devotion. So we need to devote ourselves to God, and whatever that looks like in your life, do it. God is ready for you. So once we are devoted, what do we still need to do? 
It's that the end game. No, we need to start destroying the things in our lives, the sagas that we're stuck in, and not delaying in doing so. We need to destroy the very things that have become a part of us. We are in this culture, we are in this world, we're not gonna move to the woods and just live a monk life. We are a part of this culture and we have become a product of what we see, what we live in. We have baggage that we're carrying. Our flesh is still part of our nature. Our flesh is still a part of who we are. So we need to begin to destroy the strongholds that is brought over our lives. And people talk about nature and nurture. Well, let me tell you, our nature is our flesh and nurture. We're in this culture. So again, the ulcer stacked against us. We have to fight those both things. But the great thing is that we have a God who is greater than those things, who has the power to transform those things. Back in the biblical times, they often held on to idols because they wanted to control the outcomes. If I give this idol this, I will get this back. There was also something comforting about the hope that they could place in those idols. So control and comfort are the two biggest things that we face in this Western culture today. Now it's all about if I can live an independent life, pay my way through things, look after myself, then I'm in control of my destiny and I have a comfort of the things that I enjoy. Same principles apply, even though there are different um, ways of expressing that, but we are both in control by a humane desire for fulfillment, hope, and control. Those things trap us. I find myself so many times just trying to shrink back to comfort, trying to shrink back to control, and those things become a part of the cycle that I try to do things myself, and then I realize it's only ending up one way, me away from God, not devoted, and trying to do my own thing. Like, for example... During COVID lockdown, brought us a lot of emotions, a lot of stuff that went down. Lockdown five, something in me snapped. The first four lockdowns, I could handle it. I was like, yeah, we got this. I was working. I was like, we got this. But something in me, like I remember the day it snapped. I said, there is no point trying to fight through this. I get told when to go home and I get told when to work. That's it. Something in me just shifted. And I reckon that some sort of depression came over me, but I didn't recognize it at the time. And that I was just numb because I was like, there's no point. We've been doing this for too long. So I began to look for comfort. And I live in a highly sexualized environment in this culture. See it everywhere, see it everywhere I go. I see it on my screens, I see it on my TVs, I see it everywhere. And I actually ended up going to pornography for a little while because that's the comfort that I could find. That was a cycle that I was stuck in. But then I was faced with a choice after that. Do I break free from this cycle or do I continue to find the comfort? As I mentioned, as we want to draw near to God, we need to become increasingly countercultural and break the cycles of our own life. As I did that, I was stuck in a cycle of shame. I was stuck in a cycle of drawing away from God. I remember not wanting to go into the presence of God because it meant I had to deal with that. But I didn't want to because it was comforting. But we need to destroy and not delay. The more that I delayed, the less I was getting from God, not because He was trying to reward me, but because I wasn't turning my face to Him. And there was another story of a preacher who was preaching a powerful message of healing and restoration, but deep down he was wrestling with something himself. And as a result, it all came up to the servers, and then the whole world found out what he was doing, looking at pornography as well, and then he ended up doing something else as a result, and then it broke the hearts of people who were listening to the message, broke their trust, because he was delaying the inevitable. One of the greatest things I've ever heard from a pastor was, what you cover, God exposes, and what you expose to God, God covers. Because He is a powerful and loving God. 
So this is not to bring condemnation or shame, but for me to encourage you that we serve a God who loves us and who is all powerful and who is welcoming us in His presence. And when we understand that, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily, I love the word easily. Paul the Apostle is saying it's hard, man, not to get caught in the traps. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, but it doesn't mean it holds us captivated. It's just an entanglement. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to drop it. We've got to go to the presence of God. We've got to go to the presence of God and break free from the cycles in our own lives. Why? Because God's way is a better way. When you understand that God's way is a better way beyond your decisions, beyond your idea of a a way to do something, God's way is a better way. You begin to trust in Him everything that you have because God's way is a better way. When He said to Adam and Eve, don't eat this fruit for you will surely die. It is because when you make these decisions that are not of me, that I can't be a part of because I'm holy, I can't have any harm come to you or other people, I can't partake in that, it will lead you away from me and into death. So they didn't eat the fruit and die. It was a result of those decisions that they were going to make will lead them to death. But it doesn't mean that they're going to die. It just means that we have to make our way back to God. And that's why we have Jesus Christ. So the heart of the Father's message is come to me, And we see that through Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, we have good news. Go back to God and start destroying the strongholds one by one. Start breaking free from all the things that entangle you. At the revival nights, all God was telling me is pull out the weeds, pull out the weeds, pull out the weeds. I was getting bothered. I'm like, man, stop it. I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to get a revelation of God. He's like, pull out the weeds and you'll see me clearly. Don't be distracted and start destroying the things in your life that are not of me. As it says in Romans 12, verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. It doesn't say be transformed by the removing of our mind. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the rewiring so that you can bring a reset and restoration to God, to the original plan. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. Why? Because His way is a better way. Can I get an amen? Amen. So it's basically a battle of our wills. Do we lean towards God or do we lean towards the things that find us comfort and control? And we are constantly navigating this journey in every single season. Just because I dealt with that after COVID doesn't mean I'm not going to deal with it. It means I have to be alert and constantly wake up every single day and make a decision, God or myself. And I find that every single conversation is actually a choice I make. Do I talk to someone about things that are not of the church and just talk about soccer and the World Cup and to do that? Or someone mentions something to me and I'm like, I could bring God into this or do I choose something else? I don't want to, I don't want to have that conversation with, I don't want to bring God into it. Every single conversation I have, it's literally a choice. Do I bring God into it or not? And it's frustrating me, man, because I'm like, I just want to do it. But then I find I'm scared. So that's an element of control and comfort. But God's way is a better way. We need to be making more and more room for God. Which brings me to my third point. We need to decrease in our flesh, increase in God and not disqualify. And by that, I mean... We shouldn't disqualify ourselves when we do something wrong, when we have shortcomings, when we have flaws, when we're stuck in the cycles. We shouldn't be disqualifying ourselves. But we need to be breaking those cycles and going to God so that He could decrease in ourselves and increase in God. The world is moving away 
from Christ towards ungodliness, and by that I mean without God, independence from God for the sake of control and comfort. We are called to be countercultural cycle breakers for this very reason, to draw near to God. As it says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The word perfecter means he's working in us, pruning us, building us up. Not that we come to Christianity, we're perfect, we made it. No, but we enter a journey to become more like Christ, become more like the way he leads. Now, we mentioned we discredit Jesus' humanity and the challenges because he was Jesus Christ. He was son of God. We're like, man, he's just God. But the reality is he was also human. He had to deal with the challenges that we had, but he was in step with God. He ran towards God. He was devoted towards God for his, for his father. As a result, he was able to decrease in all his fleshly desires, whatever they may be, and running towards God. And there's a great poem that is from my favorite movie, Coach Carter, by the powerful Marianne Williamson. In the, in the movie, Coach Carter, he's constantly telling the, the um, team, what's your deepest fear? And they're like, why, is, why does he always say that? But then one guy finds out there's a poem um, which says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is something comforting about darkness. There's something comforting about isolation. You just shrink back, do your own thing, fulfill your own desires. But the only issue is that's temporal satisfaction. And after that passes, you're like, man, what am I doing with my life? But when we understand that it's your light that we've got to step into because you're a child of God, that's got to take a, a step of faith. That's got to challenge us. That's got to grow us. We need to put in the work. We are called to be the light of the world. As you face cycles of sin, flaws, shortcomings, don't disqualify yourself, but grow in the love of God. Grow in the heart of God. Grow in His presence. Have a desperation that because you've done stuff, you need God in your life. Because you have a better way. My way is not a better way. God's way is not a better way. We are called to be the light of the world. And along with that, I have one final thought to add to this. We are called to be cycle breakers for the sake of going back to God. So that's for ourselves, Right? We are called to be cycle breakers so we can draw near to God. Because if we don't deal with this stuff, we can't really draw closer to God because we're blocking ourselves. We need to break free from the entanglements of the world as a result, growing God. We are called to be countercultural because when we grow in the heart and the ways of God, it flies smack in the face of what the world is doing. But the reality is, when we do it, we need to deal with the stuff that we have in our lives because the stuff that we deal with we're going to allow the world to deal with. What I mean by that is Jesus Christ carried the cross for, for himself to die so that we could have life in him. The disciples, before they became apostles, had to deal with the stuff that they were dealing with so that they could lead the early church. The early church had to maintain that and deal with the stuff that they were dealing with, which we see in the letters of Paul the Apostle. Why are you doing this? Come back to God. Why are you doing that? What's the reason for this? Come back to God. So that they could deal with that. So that we could have a church today. And now today, we have to deal with the stuff that we've got to deal with so that we can go out to the community and deal with it. Which brings me to Hebrews 12, verse 12 to 13. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. 
So what you deal with, you bring healing and restoration to the people that you talk to. What you don't deal with, you cannot do that because God has done the work in you and therefore you can't bring that healing, that light to other people. So what you're doing is you're stopping from other people coming back to God. So strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Be strong in the Lord. Grow in Him as you're devoted, as you're dealing with this stuff, as you're growing in God. So you can go out into the world and bring the truth so they can deal with it. We're not called to be counterculture for the sake of condemning, but to point to the love of God. My way is a better way because I'm with God. God's way is a better way and I'll show you why. So being a cycle breaker is not just for you and it continues on today. We need to be back to God, devoted to Him. We need to be closer to God, destroying the things that hinder us and entangle us. And we need to be growing in Him, decreasing in ourselves. Let us throw off everything that entangles us, that hinders us, and fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, and consider Him and do it opposition from sinners to the world, and put Himself on the cross so that we can have life. I encourage you, church, do not be afraid of exposing the stuff that you've got. It's, it's brutal, but once you do it, there's freedom in there. The enemy wants you to be entangled and trapped in the world and trapped in your habit and cycles and trapped in the ways of the world so that we cannot point to Jesus. But as the world moves away from God, we need to draw closer to Him. And that's where we'll find the opportunities. So first of all, I just want to give an opportunity for someone to devote their life to Jesus. You may have never done it before, but I want to give you this opportunity. All it takes is a simple prayer of confessing that Jesus is Lord and our Saviour and bring him into our heart because it's a head knowledge and a heart understanding that we come into agreement to give our life to Jesus. And that's what he means to be devoted. And it's a change of mind and a change of focus. Just like Paul the Apostle was going in his way, the revelation of Jesus Christ hit him, he turned, didn't have all the stuff that he needed to change, but he kept going what he was doing, passionately and boldly devoted and leading people to Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.